Hello, and welcome to this King Heroes Journey podcast. My name is Beth Martins. I am super excited to be hosting Frank Sell today. And before I get started introducing him, I'll just let you know you're in the right place. If you yourself are a King Hero, a strong man trying to get stronger, or someone who's really looking at strong men, who this podcast is an example of, and wanting to see how you can get yourself into the position of leadership that might be your calling as well. We talk about purpose, we talk about how to get to the other side of major challenges in life, what that looks like, and how you're already, how you are already pre-wired to not just get past your own challenges, but turn around and help others, which is the story of the hero's journey behind all of this. So Frank, welcome to this podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Hey Beth, it's totally my pleasure. Um, I mean, first, just to be it's honored to be thought of in this King's and Hero's journey. Um, I'm still, I guess you would say, coming to uh, the terms with owning and accepting that myself. Very good. Well, that's one of my secret agendas also with doing these interviews because it's, it's a little bit outrageous with that King and Hero and every archetype is, is actually a bit outrageous. It's got such a, a grand scale. And it's rightly so because it's the power of collective consciousness and God that comes through. So then um, it is always that title that like, oh, king? Am I a king? Uh, <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's fun. So do you want to take a few minutes or however long you'd like to introduce yourself? Uh, Frank, I'll, I'll just let you guys know, is uh, an entrepreneur, a small business owner, a uh, dedicated father from how I've got to know you so far, and also... You told me one more thing, a man on a mission. So this is a great fit for this interview. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things that, that most people, when they hear it, they're just like, man, that, that is like some, some deep legacy stuff. So I'm, I'm actually Frank Sell the fourth, my son's the fifth. Um, and so, oh, you know, wow. I, I can't really escape legacy. And it wasn't until um, probably the last decade when, when kind of, my my heart and mind caught up with the legacy thinking um so a little bit about me uh yes I, i'm a father um yeah I, I was a husband um and i am an entrepreneur business owner uh, and so i've been a small business owner i kind of what i like to say is almost is that i i, I own my own job i'm self-employed um, i've been i've been in that cycle for almost 20 years now uh the last last job i had uh, I started Valentine's Day, 1994. Um, I was 18 years old, realized, you know, that was, it was the paradigm I grew up in back in the 1900s. You know, our parents told us, get a, get an education or get a trade and get a career that you can go retire in. Um, so that's what I did. I, I, you know, I taught my hands. I learned how to weld because I knew uh, uh, the so-called higher education, paying for an education wasn't for me. It was a bad investment. Um, so I went out there and the, that job, um, I was 18 years old and they had a 30 year retirement program and I thought, man, that's pretty cool. I'm going to, I'm going to stick in here and bang it out for 30 years, retire at 48 and, uh, and be done, you know, American dream. Well, okay. the company got sold out and when they sold, they changed the retirement plan. And that meant that I would have to work until, uh, I was 55. So that's 30, 37 years. And I just kind of had that epiphany, you know, speaking of the hero's journey, I had that, that, uh, that dissonance and realization that, 
you know, I wasn't in control of things. Um, I wasn't really in control of my destiny. So that's probably the first time when I really had an awareness of making a conscious choice of what path to take. And I literally, I remember the parts rack that I was standing under at work when I had the conversation with myself and I I literally, um, you know, told myself, Frank, you have a choice to either accept what they're willing to give you and hope that when you turn 55, they haven't changed the deal again. Um, Or you can stop bitching and do something. And so I, I, I'd learned about another trade. Um, and like I said, I, I knew I gave my hands credit for being smart, but you know, I didn't give my heart and my head a lot of credit for that back then. Uh, so I, I literally bought a hundred dollar VHS tape. Um, so if you're watching, listening to this on the podcast, ask your parents, Google it. It's a, it's a videotape we used to listen to back in the 1900s or watch. And I taught <laughs> myself a new trade on how to fix hell damage on cars. And I literally, I wash it and then I volunteered for the next layoff. And uh, one, one of my Frankisms, my friends give me a hard time about is I, I beat the street so hard. I swear I'll get a bill for the pothole Sunday. I just, I quit my job and, <laughs> and started, I just straight started hustling. I didn't, I didn't know what sales were, what cold calling was. I just went out and just, just found work. Um, and along the way, um, we had a couple of kids. Um, my, my daughter, Madison, she's 16. Uh, my son, Frank, he is 14, he'll be 15 here soon. Um, you know, and through that journey, you know, it's uh, something that we can get into deeper uh, here in this interview, but just more realizations about myself and just how how our children, man, how they're just like like instant reflections of, of you know, mostly garbage that we didn't fix or we didn't even know about. We weren't conscious. We didn't, didn't have any awareness that that was a pain point or a problem in us. Um, so for me, it was a literal come to Jesus at the cross um, back in 2013. Um, I was kind of sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so I went to this, uh, this men's church weekend and I, I, mean, I laid it all at the cross and I could literally feel, you know, the, the weight being lifted and, you know, the tears coming out and the pain and the anger. Um, but something in that moment was like an unconscious thing that I did. I just, I knew like the Bible will tell us this and science will tell us this, that nothing in nature can exist in a vacuum. Um, It has to be filled by something. So science will say it's gotta be filled by some air, whatever, it's gotta be filled. Uh, And the Bible says, you know, when you make a decision to kick Satan out or you have, you know, a a change of direction in your life you wanna move, that you kick Satan out, that he's going to come back with seven of his buddies and try to get that space back. He's going to come back even stronger with bad habits or bad thoughts or whatever. Um, and so this was on a, a three-day weekend. And so I'll, this was on a Sunday. And I called an old family friend um, for mentorship because I knew I, I didn't have people around me that had the results that I wanted in life. And so I called this guy because in the areas of this faith life, um, the family, the whole family, cousins, aunts, uncles, everybody vacation together. You know, there's very strong family bonds. Um, and financially, the whole family has uh, like a generational generational wealth mindset. So I, I reached out to him and, and he was like, man, I'm so glad to hear, number one, that you, uh, you accepted Christ in your life and that's the path you want to take. But then also that I was looking for, you know, just growth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wonderful. Wow, that's so good. 
um, there's always those exact turning points in the journey where you transform from that ordinary life into getting on your hero's journey. There's a lot of layers and levels of that. I'm sure you probably go through your hero's journey every day, especially with you know being on a mission. That's that's uh, a lot of things can happen very quickly, but it's a really it's so beautiful. It never gets boring to hear people's moments where they just went like, "Yeah, are they going to lie to me again? Are they going to change the deal on me again? Um, when do I take matters in my own hand, in my own hands, and and make?" Um, and maybe I'm paraphrasing here, but it's kind of make God the authority in, in my life because that's what the calling is, right? You're not turning to a business to look after you or, you know, a company, or you're not turning to the government to look after you. You're not waiting for someone to, you know, fulfill your destiny. You're, you're going right to the source for that. Yeah. There, there was a, a really awesome book, um, you know, for, for guys, it's kind of like a, it's really like a kick you in the nuts book. Um, but it was, it was by, I don't know if it's a, if it's a guy or, or, or a lady, um, Aubrey Adlin, but a book called A Man of Steel and Velvet. Mm. And that was a book that really, it kind of, it kind of clarified some things that basically the synopsis is that it doesn't matter if you call yourself a man, regardless if it's your fault, it's your responsibility to fix it. Your kids are out of control may not be your fault, your responsibility. If the vehicle breaks, it's not your fault. It's your responsibility. You know, it may be your fault. You hit something, but you know, if, if the wife does something, spends too much, you know, spends outside the budget of what you guys already agreed on. Hey, you know what? It's not your fault. Guess what, bro? It's your responsibility. So when I, when I started taking things on as my responsibility, I can go through and discern and say, you know what? Okay. So it's my responsibility. Then what can I fix? What can I do? Um, and so, you know, there's, there's so many things in leadership and so on. Like I, I can't change anybody, but I can be, you know, so unshakable that people are either forced to change or they're forced to leave because they're uncomfortable trying their old tactics, um, and ways and stuff. And they just, they, they just don't work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Uh, you're speaking the script of the King here so big because it is exactly this. I write about it so much in my book, Responsibility. Uh, when I got sick with cancer, the first thing you want to know is who's to blame, right? Mm-hmm. Is it me? Is it them? Is it the water? Is it the food? Is it the stress of my job? Is it the, you know, my ancestors coming through me unhealed and on and on and on. And I came up with a list as long as my armor longer of things I could blame. But the only relevant question is it was because all that left me disempowered. The only relevant question is who's responsible. And for that, I only had one answer it's right. right here, right? No matter what happens. So it was that big, like, aha. And uh, yep. So you're, you're right on the money with that. It's such a beautiful way to live because you don't lose all your, your energy with that inventory of blame. Right. And, and I, I know you and I have discussed this, like, you know, my, one of my Frankisms um, that I've come Which up I love. To, <laughs> through the process is that who's thinking, are you thinking? And so I, on reflecting, you know, so many of us, it's, uh, you know, there's studies and so on that show from age, you know, from, from birth to seven years old, we get all of our, our social programming, how we interact with family and friends and how we interact with ourselves 
you know, most people, um, you know, speaking from, from a guy's standpoint, if I talk to most guys the way they talk to themselves, they'd, they'd want to punch me in the mouth. Why? You know, so we, we have to learn, you know, our self-talking. So when you look back through it and we say, who's thinking am I thinking? Okay, did my mom and dad, did they interact this way? Did, you know, the people around me, do they spend money this way? And so at some point, and it's kind of the numbers don't lie, I guess, I say most men from about age 40, they kind of start figuring it out. And so I start realizing, you know, I was just repeating these patterns over and over. And so when you take responsibility and you kind of, I guess you would say kind of take it logically, it's as simple as going out and getting new programming, getting new information. There's, um, there's, there's the, the kind of the coaching mantra that if you don't like the results in your life, well, then you have to look at your actions. Your actions come from your thinking. Your thinking comes from your inputs. What kind of information did you grow up with or did you, did you uh, get? And so if you don't like your results, well, then go back to the inputs and find out, okay, what, what is stinking thinking and what, what is, you know, what's correct thinking. Um, and so that's where I dove off into the Bible and, you know, I'm no theologian, but I have a, a fairly good grasp on a lot of things. Um, and then just kind of started measuring and weighing, you know, my thinking versus my results in life. That's amazing. I love that. You know, what, what I learned um, about who's thinking I was thinking and yes. start facing obstacles and facing life with that mindset, then I could start saying, okay, well, I, I like how this, this goes or no, I need to go find the information. I need to go find somebody that has the results I want in that area and just get new thinking. Yeah. And that's so brilliant because people for the most part are not realizing to the extent that they are programmed and they don't know the source of their thought. They don't know that it's not original. And, and that's, unfortunately, when you have a thought in your own head, you're going to think that it's yours. You're going to, you're going to claim it as original. Like for example, as you know, already I'm a recovering feminist. I used to own feminism. Like I had invented the movement. It was my movement. I was on this, I was on my soapbox. I took ownership of it. And, and people really actually believed me when I talked like that, because uh -huh. I had that sense of confidence around it. And then, you know, three years ago, I wake up and go like, wow, that none of that is my idea. None mm. of it. I took credit for all of it. And, and literally none of it is original to me. So that's so brilliant to have that awareness and intelligence to look into that programming and, and, you know, not have to carry what's not yours. Yeah. Thank you. It's uh and it kind of, kind of, you know, just for being as honest as I can with myself, um, you know, it's, it's another, like a Frankism. I looked at people around my life, you know, and just so many people are just blame throwers. They don't want to take responsibility. They just, they just throw the blame on somebody else. Because, and that's one of the things I think you and I were talking about before the interview um, on our phone calls, like that I thought was just, I won't say like interesting, but like I, I admired in you and that you made that transition because I was almost the opposite, just so dogmatic and opinionated um, and I'd, I'd never slowed down and realized for myself, like just how much destruction, you know, my personality and who I was caused around me. Um, you know, I, one, one of our, our businesses, you know, is the coffee and stuff, get shit done. Everybody, my, so many people know me for get shit done. 
you know, and when I started to learn like the, the personality profiles, the disc profiles and all these different things that, you know, I'm, I, uh, I guess at the time I identify as a high D, a dominant. <laughs> so it doesn't matter how many feelings get hurt. We got stuff done. Um, whether I got to drag a bunch of dead bodies behind me, whatever, we're going to get across the finish line. <laughs> so, you know, once you have that awareness of your, like your temperament or your personalities or how you interact with people or in yourself, that's when you have that, that choice. And so many, so many people, they stop with a choice. And like, I, I say it so many times is that, you know, the decision, you know, the, is the opportunity is not the opportunity because some people stop at the decision and it's action. Action is what gets shit done. Um, you know, so it's, it's so many people just like, Oh, I made a decision. And then they go back to their fantasy league or whatever. Um, you know, so it's actually taking that first step, touching a hot stove, whatever, whatever you got to do. I mean, just, just go do it. And you'll either, you'll have a story to tell or you'll have a success one, one or the other. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, first of all, let's talk about the body count. That's, that's so familiar to me because I was known in my past life in the marketing world. I was vice president and I wore a suit and I had my office and everything and, and I had an attitude to go along with it. <laughs> I, found, I found out later that they actually in the industry talked about me like I was a ball breaker. Yeah. So, right. When you, when you say the body count doesn't matter. You know, if people have to die for this, this is not a problem. Numbers are on the board. Got to bring them numbers up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can handle it. And then I, I love also what you're talking about with action, because first of all, that's the definition of, a, of an entrepreneur, that they are willing to take courageous action. And they tend to live in courage. That's why I have a special affection for entrepreneurs. My mom and dad were both business owners. And I saw from the young age when they went from being, you know, I guess my dad was employed. My mom was just at home at the time. But when they made that shift into entrepreneurialism, it was just a total courage game. That was, you saw, saw how, okay, ramped up mm -hmm. the responsibility, ramped up the stress, ramped up, you know, people relying on them, clients and suppliers and employees and everybody was sitting there going, well, okay, it's my turn. And, uh, and it all came down on them. Also, they got all the, the benefit and the perks and the power and the notoriety and everything that comes along with it. But um, it, it really does come down to action, like you're saying. And, and I, I just want to say this quickly, that if you ever get stuck on anything, it, people who are watching this, action is the quickest way out. And, and it can be just the most modest of actions. Can I make my bed? Can I brush my teeth? Can I take a shower? Can I clean my living room? Can I feed the cat? And you just start one action begets another action. And then a certain, you know, I always feel like humans are more like bats and we're, we send out radar with our action. And then once you send out that, or sonar, not radar, and you send out that sonar and you get an instant message back of some kind, mm -hmm. whether you're, you're on track or you're off track. And, and then it, it uh, just rolls out. The action can get a lot of momentum that way. Yeah, and like what you're saying reminds me of something that, that I, I tell myself a lot and I tell others is that, you know, God honors commitment. You know, and there's a lot yeah. of talk about using God's name in vain, you know, and they think it's, you know, the words or language. How many times have we prayed to God to do something in our lives and then sat there and wait for him? And, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, God doesn't have a plan for us other than to provide us with every 
situation and circumstance and the materials that we need to find our way back to God, whatever fashion we need to find that way back to him. We can accept that at 12 or we can accept that at 50. Whatever path we want to take, God's going to provide. Everything's already made under the sun. Everything is all the money that I could ever want is already here. All the love I could ever want is already here. Um, you know, so what, what do I need to do? What, who do I need to be? Uh, what, what man do I need to grow into in order to just allow God's supply into my life? Beautiful. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's all allowing, right? Just, just receiving and, uh, uh, as if growing into that person, but the, it's, it's more like taking away what's not that person. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it goes back to Genesis, you know, if it's, it's so funny, you know, like, so here's something that in the last few months, I've kind of looked at this, this overarching concept of Christianity and why Christ came to earth. So, you know, in Genesis, it talks about in the beginning, they made us like them them they are spirits they're spiritual beings so they made us like them spirits pure love in, in this garden and in here we decided we want to break off and decide and we want to find out what all this all this you know good and evil and this knowledge is you know so god he provided it he provided the tree he said you can eat it or you cannot but i'd advise not eating it and so we decided to eat it and then it said okay that's your choice so here's a garment of clothing skin go have fun kids experience this all you want and when you're ready to come back home we'll find our way back back home there you go yeah and it's it's like we're we have paradise but again it's just we don't have eyes to see it or receive it all the way all the way and it's like i love this like the, the allowing subject because it's it's something that has been like so hard for me um, to kind of tap in and tune into. And it's something I'm developing the patience for. Uh, and I, so one example is a few weeks ago, I was, I went and got acupuncture. Um, and so during this acupuncture session, I'm laying there on the table and I, I'm just, just in prayer. And I said, God, what, what do I not know about myself? What, what do I not know? What's a blind spot? What's holding me back from being my true self? You know, um, so good. Be... such a great question. And, you know, then I just, I just leave it. And part of it is, you know, developing that mind like, you know, the Christ like mind to be able to hear God's voice. And so I just come across something um, that really resonated with me and it was, um, you know, codependency. And so I look at my relationships in life with, you know, like my, my ex-wife and then, you know, like my children's mother. And I see, wait a minute, there's a pattern there. <laughs> um, and so our, our purpose is, is usually in a pattern. All, everything we look around is there's patterns of things that happen in our lives. And it's like, Hey, ding dong, maybe you should fix that. And so I start learning about this pattern of codependency, which lines up with like in Kings, it lines up with like the Jezebel spirits. Like, you know, for me, the Jezebel, she would, she would do things for her King uh, as long as it served her by whatever means necessary. 
Um, and it wasn't always, you know, like necessarily good things and so on. Um, and so I started looking around. I was like, well, holy crap, that really lines up with my story. And so then it becomes, it comes back to, you know, why is this happening? Um, I don't like these results. So what inputs? And so I go back and, you know, uh, and just try to get clarity by looking into my life and my childhood and say, where, where would this programming have come from? And, you know, for, for me, and I know it's probably for a lot of men and I'm sure it's probably a lot of women, you know, and it's, it's self-love, you know, it's, I don't feel like I'm, you know, what, what the diagnosis of uh, the self, the Google WebMD diagnosis of myself, you know, is that, you know, I, I have a, a lack of love in me. So I feel like I, I'm only good enough if I'm serving, if I'm giving everything of me, if I'm, if I'm out there doing things for other people. Um, and realizing that by being that person, I'm attracting those people that need an energy source. Uh, and so now that that's mm. a process that I'm going through and learning how to be aware and notice those people in my life uh, and how to, you know, how to equip myself with um, the armor um, to be able to discern. And so that's something that, I didn't mention earlier, my purpose is something I call armored up man. And mm. it's having the armor on your, your mind and your being to be able to discern the information and what gets into your heart, you know, cause so many of us are, we're totally, totally backwards. We have a hardened heart and we have a jelly mind. Everything comes into our mind. Well, you know, if you discern the information that comes in, if you have the wisdom to say, is this true? Is this, you know, is this person a fool? Um, you know, and it's why I read, I go through Proverbs every day. There's 31 Proverbs, usually 30, 31 days in a month. Read one book a day, putting the wisdom on my heart to be able to discern, is this true? Um, you know, because as, as a man, as a king, I feel there's only, you know, for the most part, like 10, 10% of things, 20% of things in life that I really need to get my game face on and get serious about that. This is what I stand for. I will not allow this to happen in my life, to my family, you know, to my friend, people around me. Um, the rest of it is just minutia that doesn't need my energy. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. That's amazing. You and I are so on the same track somewhere. Uh, I, I love, and I'm going to quote you now that you said it again to, I heard you say this before that uh, purpose is in the pattern. And that was just an instant hit for me because that's exactly what archetypes are about that I work with in my business and my book is about. It's all the just learning pattern recognition and hearing the scripts the, that, and scripts are ones that get repeated over and over and over again. And there are those patterns that are, you know, life giving. And then there are the patterns, of course, that it sucked the life right out of you. I almost died of that. Uh, so people's idea is almost always that, oh, I need to get rid of this pattern in order to, you know, fulfill my purpose or be a good person or have a good life. And it's like, no, purpose is in that pattern. Go inside and, and, and gain that self-awareness and ultimately self-love so that you're, you're not hating stuff about yourself. You've awakened it and can embrace who you truly are. Yeah, totally. And I, here's a great example. So, as a parent, um, my son, 
he called me last, I think it was last week. He called me on a, on a Friday and wanted to know um, if I could come pick him up or what. And I was like, no, I'm clear across town. What's going on? And he said, well, these two dogs just chased me like two blocks. And he said, what's, what's Papa's phone number? So I gave him Papa's, his, my dad's phone number. Um, and so he called my dad. My dad came and picked him up. And then my son called me again about 30 minutes later crying. And he's like, Dad, what can we do about those dogs? And so the backstory is about two, three weeks before that, he actually got bit by a German Shepherd or neighbor's dog that really hasn't, has, is known to be an asshole dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these two little dogs chased him, the uh, Blue Heeler, Australian cattle dogs chased him. He took that as a sign of a dog was going to bite him. And so I simply asked him, so like, what I, what I recognize is that as a kid, my dad would have said, oh, just turn around and kick him. There's, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had any kind of empathy or anything with the situation. And so I recognized what was happening and I had the, you know, the awareness to say, okay, I want to change this pattern. And so I asked him, I said, well, I said, what, what would you like to do? There's, I, from my point of view, there's a few things we can do here. We can call the cops. Um, we can call the city, have the city go give them a ticket or have the city go, go, you know, do something, say something. Or you and I can take a walk and dog comes running out, smack him with your skateboard, whatever, so you can learn. <laughs> or you and I can go down to the neighbor's house and we can actually meet the dogs and find out what kind of dogs they are. And I said, so the ball's in your court. What would you like to do? And so, you know, I, at first, I, you know, it was a feel felt found. I said, hey, man, I know, I know how you feel. I just, you know, there was a time when I didn't like dogs either. I know how you feel. I felt the same way. Um, here's what I found through, you know, a few decades of life is that most dogs aren't that way. Um, so I let him sit with it. And the next day he's like, dad, can we just stop by there, you know, on the way out on, you know, on the way down the street. And so we did that. We met them, met the neighbors, met the dogs, and they're just big babies. And, and, you know, so it was me being intentional of, helping him develop his own thinking about the process, come up with his own decision. It was me allowing him to feel the fear and also come up with his, come up with his own resolution where I noticed for me as a child, I wasn't allowed to do those things. I wasn't allowed to feel. We just get shit done. We don't, you know, emotions and feelings, they're just going to get in the way, trip you up, whatever. You just get stuff done. Suppress at all cost. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. So what are the three again? It's feel found and feel felt found. Feel felt found. Yeah. I know how you okay. feel. I yep. felt the same way. This uh-huh. is what I found. Okay. Okay. Great um, system. Yeah. And it's something I use in, in coaching and mentoring when I'm mentoring, you know, guys or something. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of, help them know, say, Hey, you know, I, I, you know, I know how you feel because I felt the same way. This is what I found. And then the next step for the personal growth is, do you want to fix this or you just want to talk about it? And then if they say, I want to fix this. Okay. I found my solution in this book and I'll offer them the book. And if you read the book, then come back to me and we can discuss 
what you thought of the book versus me feeding my ego and talking for three hours. Mm -hmm. And just telling them what to do, which will give them information, but it will not give them transformation. Yes, 100%. Yeah, amazing. I'm so glad you're coaching, by the way, because that was going to be my first question after the interview. Are, are you coaching? You must be coaching. <laughs> <laughs> so glad to hear it. So kings tend to take on, as you've already said, a lot of responsibility. They have a, a high position, but as a result, they, they take on a lot more than the average person. And was there ever a time where, when you hit a wall or you had a crash or things fell apart and you had to make your way to the other side of that? Oh man, where do we start? Um, <laughs> yeah, so like most recently is something that is, is still working out, but I was, uh, I was married for almost eight and a half years. Um, and I'd always felt like it was kind of like the carrot on the stick. And so I, I, I it's something I, I, I say again, that as men, and I've learned this kind of by watching and talking to some friends that are veterans, that we identify with the war instead of being, instead of identifying as a warrior with a purpose. So most guys, a lot of guys I know that went to, that are veterans, they had a purpose to serve their country but they identified with the war and the things that happen and stuff. And, and, and it's separating those things and realizing you're still a warrior and you still have a purpose. There, there's a war every day for, you know, for our women, for our children, for ourselves. Um, and so, you know, most recently I realized in my marriage that I was, I was, I had built this pedestal of my kingdom, her castle, our empire, but, going through things and learning about this codependency and what like a Jezebel spirit or you know, like a, a narcissist spirit, um, what they do is, is, you know, they, they feed on that. And after going through this for so long and realizing that this other person doesn't want to fix themselves, they don't, they don't want better. They just want that energy source. Um, and it's like, when I start looking in introspection and I realize, you know, what, what I stand for, this does not line up. And so it, when I've kind of built my persona around being this armored up man, my kingdom, her castle, our empire, um, I realize you know, with, with Jezebel, that's something that like, she will like, yeah, that's great. Yes, I, I love that and, and build it all up as long as it serves that spirit but when you get momentum or they think you might be outgrowing them, there's always some kind of distraction, always some kind of chaos, always some kind of division. And so when I really start looking at it, I'm like, you know what? It's time to take action. You made the decision a long time ago. And because you haven't taken action on the decision, you're slowly depleting and, and killing yourself trying to keep up with this facade of somebody that's not in the fight with you, they're fighting you. Um, and so for like the last six months, I had to kind of wrap my mind around that. And I, I completely feel the day that I, I left, um, we, we lived on a, on a, I guess you'd call it a 40 acre ranch, you know, nice house, I had five acre pond out my living room window, everything didn't matter. I went home, got one bag of clothes and I'm out because 
my my peace is being attacked um, constantly, and it's very um, overt the way it kind of happens. And so, been going through that process, and, and I realize that with that personality, with that spirit, it's almost like a like they're a addicted to the energy and you'll find a lot of addicts out there that are that are have this narcissist spirit or like a Jezebel spirit they're addicted to something it doesn't have to be drugs but it can be all kinds of things it can be you know health related oh I'm always sick I'm always this I always got to be feeding something um, and so I when I went through this I realized you know what as a codependency I'm an enabler I enable this I and so looking at this like man i I love this person enough. I know what they can be. I've seen it that I cannot enable this anymore. Um, and also, you know, for my children, I had to kind of, you know, by example, show them like, you just don't, you know, allow your standards to be shaken by, by something like this. And so going through it, I realized, okay, number one, this is with love. There was zero hatred. Um, this is with love. And okay, you have to take action. And so what happened through this is that, you know, my, my ex-wife, she wanted to, uh, and this is something that, that Jezebel does, are like expert, um, expert um, patients and victims with counselors and so on, because they know how to, how to triangulate and so on. And so, we went to pastors, some, some, a couple of different pastors and every pastor was like, well, Frank is right. If, if he, you know, and they kind of knew our situation. If, if your peace is being shook up or being um, affected by your environment or what's happening with the people around you, even Jesus, when he got baptized, he went up on the, the mountain for 40 days to get away, to get communication, get a clear head, get with God. And so that kind of helped me, you know, come to terms with, yes, you're doing the right thing. You're, you're leading with the heart. You, you do love this woman, but you also love her enough to hold her to a higher standard that she needs to take action herself on some of these things. As a king, you can't sit there and just keep pouring your energy into a, 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 a you know, a vacuum that is not looking, you know, to be filled. Um, and so that was one of the hardest decisions uh, most recently that I had to go through. Mm. So many good points in there. You're touching on uh, at least three archetypes, the king, obviously, as you're talking about it. Uh, the nurturer also is part of the king hero's journey. And it's, it is meant that the, you know, that, that extreme side of it, it does turn into enabling rather than helping. And, mm -hmm you know, they, they must help. It's part of their makeup. It's, it's not an option. That's, that's just part of the wiring. In fact, that's universal in my community that, that, that we are helpers. That's the thing. But in that place of enabling, all you're doing, I love how you stated that you're feeding a vacuum. You're feeding mm -hmm. a vacuum whose, whose, whose unconscious decision is to stay vacuous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's something that I've learned to kind of see in other people um, and see in myself is kind of so like the four levels of awareness. You know, you don't know what you don't know. You know what you don't know. You become aware of what you didn't know. 
you know what you know, which is kind of like a toddler that's, that's wobbly. They have to think about their steps, think right foot, left foot. And then you don't know what you know, because you know it so well, you just don't even think about it. Uh, so, so going through this process, like you said, I, you know, I, I, I'm beyond grateful for the experience. I'm beyond grateful for her, um, you know, and I, I just look at this experience as like, you know, the, the reflection, what it taught me about me. And I basically told her, it's like, you know, I am no longer who you need me to be to validate your behavior and who you are. And the flip side is you are no longer who I need, you know, to validate my behavior and, and victim of who I was, you know? And so when, when looking at it that way, it's again, that, that epiphany bridge, um, the decision to either take action or to continue down the path that, that we were on. Um, and so I just like, man, I, I got to I got to make it take action on this this decision that I have. Mm -hmm. Very brave. That's awesome. Good for you. Um, <clears throat> so the third archetype that was coming up there was the hedonist, and that that is actually where you where you face the inner emptiness, and that you know if if you give it's kind of the definition of that of that narcissist of of, of the emptiness of continuing to. Uh, seek and consume and need people's energy and you know it's it's endless it's bottomless it's kind of the in, in its darkest most extreme it's the definition of lucifer right that they mm -hmm. they want they wanted to be god they wanted to uh have all the power and god said like okay you know <laughs> free uh -huh. all it is and but it's bottomless and the the whole journey has no soul it, it's soulless, right? It's, it's self. It's always coming back to self. There's no soul connection to purpose, to God, to that calling that, that God is, is always uh, sending your way. And, uh, and also, I just had to add on that it's the, primarily the child archetype that plays out between men and women in, in uh, romantic relationships, which is fascinating and it's kind of like god joking because that's so funny right like that two two adults would end up playing out their you know their biggest childhood insecurities and that's mm -hmm. why do you attach to somebody else either as the enabler or the one who needs to be supported or enabled uh you attach because of that's insecurity that that you're not a whole person you you don't have your own connection to god that you're uh, at the mercy and you know having to be afraid to die all the time. And this might be a good segue for us to start talking about the masculine and the feminine archetypes, which are kind of an underlying theme throughout all of my work and my book that I see as a DNA running through everything. That it's two sides of the same coin. Men and women uh, are almost identical, but not quite with the masculine and the feminine, knowing that within the masculine, there's that, uh, you know, part of the feminine that the, I, I never remember if it's anima or animus, but those two, two words from Jungian psychology. And then the woman, of course, has that masculine inside them as well. And so I'd like to just start by talking about or asking you, what do you make of first the state of men and women on this planet? Or I don't even say planet anymore. 
actually <laughs> on this earth. I know we're on earth. That part I know. So how do you, how do you, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of mess out there, a lot of confusion, the whole gender mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. I just, you know, so many, so many people period are just on an ego trip and, and, you know, something, I think it was, um, I think it was the Kabbalion, which is like some hermetic principles, Hermes, which is like pre-Bible, pre-Jesus kind of stuff. But it talks, it talks about like, you know, the masculine and feminine um, are genders. And then because we don't, we don't, you know, it's like as, as Christ followers, we learn about the word. The beginning was the word. And so we should, we should hold some power. Words hold power. Um, you know, we have a good friend. It's a words are currency. Words are power. For sure. She and just so, came to mind. Yeah. Yeah. And so with the way this, like this, this Kabbalion talks about is that feminine and masculine refer to gender, whereas male and female refer to physical sex. So every one of us has, you know, whether we are a male or female, we have both energies in us. And that's something that's been a focus of my journey for probably two, three years now is, is, is connecting with my feminine divine. Um, because I know, like, so I look at the physical part of it at birth. I was supposed, I was supposed to be stillborn. I was an RH negative baby, a rhesus baby, a wow. rhesus monkey baby. And wow. you know, that's where it all comes from. It's like, what that means is my mom, my mom had an RH negative blood type and I, I had an RH positive. Uh, and so what happens is that after multiple births, then usually her body will attack the fetus at birth. When the water breaks, her body sees the infant as a virus. And so that's what happened to me. I, number one, I was supposed to be stillborn. So number two, when I was born, I had to have a blood transfusion. Um, and I never, I never remember feeling connected to my mother or a female's period. Um, and so I'm like, you know, I've gone around leaving this bloody trail of bodies and stuff. So maybe I need to learn how to connect with my feelings. And so like what you're talking about is like, we already know all there is to know. We, we can know. We just have to connect the, the male and female in us, um, the, the divine in us and connect with God, all the, all the knowledge and knowing is there. And so like, if you, uh, I just had a conversation with a friend of mine, like she was feeling these migraines and I'm like, yeah, because you just dealt with your narcissistic asshole X. I, I'm this is the process that's going to happen and let me know. And she's like, Oh my God, you're right. That's exactly what's happening. Well, her body was telling her what she was feeling, but she wasn't tapped into it. She was tapped into the ego and the emotion of it. Um, and so that, that's what I've kind of been learning about this, this male and female divine is allowing the, the flow. And so like to put this in, in like a, in, in a, a manerism at, at, from a male aspect, um, <laughs> we all, we all know this. Like if you have your car battery, it has a positive and it has a negative. And unless there's continuity between the two, the car is not going to start. If there's corrosion on, the negative or the positive, it's, it's going to drain your battery more and more. And so the male and female, male and feminine divine are kind of, to me, the same thing. Like we need to have at least start getting an understanding of 
each of them, whether we are a man or a woman. Brilliant, brilliant. You could have written my book. Where were you when I was writing my book? <laughs> <laughs> I was right here, man. Right here. That's so good. That's so good. It's amazing. One of the things that I notice, and it kind of relates back to the child archetype. That's all great what you said. And it's that these days, say in modern romance situations, for the most part, the male and the female are coming together. And it really, especially in a day and age where the culture is saying, it's okay, you don't have to have a child, you don't have to, you know, you can just, it can just be you two and you can do your, your own thing and live a happy life. And maybe it's even better if you don't have kids. Like that's the narrative that we're being fed right now, which I totally disagree with. Have mm -hmm. children. If you have any inkling, please have children. But the, what ends up happening when you bring the divine masculine and the divine feminine together without any intention for, for, you know, without any purpose. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, doesn't matter if it's, it's not a child, like some people can't even have children, but it's, it's, it's the, it's the purpose. It's the, it's the birthing. What, what together are you going to create that becomes the focus of the relationship rather like, and maybe that's the healthy version of a triangulation because otherwise it ends up being this, like the, the energy doesn't go anywhere. It's, mm -hmm. it maybe just spins and, and it often burns out and it becomes um, volatile. Yeah, and it, like, to me, what I, what I see you know, with my, my personal experience, what I've been learning um, through reading different books and so on, like if you think about, like you're saying having children nowadays, like the majority of the time, either it's like, it's unplanned, and so it's something to deal with, or there is so much, you know, narcissism and just, just empty souls nowadays that they need an energy source to feed on for validation and to feel good. So we'll have a kid. Mm -hmm. There's no intention of legacy mindset. And you know, it's like, you know, in the beginning with me, we didn't, I didn't really have any intentions on having children, but then when I did, you know, it kind of, that's kind of when, you know, some of the awareness started coming in and um you know so now that we've moved down the road i've got two teenagers and i i am where i am in life i i just see this and it's like man you know it just it it ramps up my um my motivation to really help help my children develop their own processes and, and understand purpose um and growth mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was driving down the street after dropping my son off and I just, I just was thinking, wow, I would not be who I am if I didn't have a child right now. I wouldn't feel this uh, incredible mission about legacy and the future. Sadly, I should anyway. You know, people, people should all feel responsible for that, but it, it really is because we've brought the next generation here and um you know the writing on the wall is actually not good for them and so i'm gonna do whatever i can do to make sure that that doesn't that bad narrative doesn't play out for them to whatever extent i have that power yeah and it's you know it's first it's, it's just like the the model of save yourself first equip yourself first you you know, we, we as adults or as parents, we have to equip ourselves, get knowing, um, you know, little proverb stuff, you know, get wisdom. 
you know, first get wisdom and then learn how to, uh, you know, how to correctly or how to apply that wisdom. Uh, and so it's, I don't know, I, I really, for me, I really cherish the opportunities, you know, when, like when my kids come to me, I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll try to get in there with and, and, and help them understand. I, you know, I feel, I feel what you're saying, you know, I, I, I can understand or, you know, I can see how this is happening. Uh, you know, how do you feel about this? What do you think we should do? And instead of, because so many of us nowadays, we just want to hand out answers right and left. And that's because it's painless for us. We don't have to stop and think. We don't have to take the time. We've got to get back to Facebook or Instagram or Netflix, whatever. We don't have to take the time to help develop the, the empathic, the connection with our kids so that they don't go around just as empty voids seeking for any energy that will fill their soul. Mm -hmm, definitely. And it, it's like you said, it's so, it is so tempting just to give them answers uh, rather than lead them to that. I noticed after, you know, I've been coaching for more than 15 years now and the evolution of it was much more, and I started a consultant in the marketing world. So that's all about like just giving answers, muscling in, doing things, for people, which is, if there's, it's fine if that's what they're hiring you for. Coaching is different. You're, you're really wanting to guide people to their own answers because it's so much more powerful for them, empowering for them. And I've noticed how there's a lot of, a lot of my coaching is a lot more silence. There's a lot more sitting back. There's a lot more, okay. I, you know, I, I'm observing wheels are turning. Let the wheels turn. Mm -hmm. Don't interfere. They are, they are doing, give them a chance that the work is taking place without having to micromanage them. And then, you know, just being there as a guide because, and I really want to dive in with this because when it comes and especially men, when it comes to working that inner world, it's like, you know, it can be, it can feel the, like the sea, it's the churning sea. And you can feel like you're drowning in that sea. It's, it's, it, especially if you don't have experience with navigating emotions and the, the inner experience, then it can be so overwhelming. So how did you get into that work? How do you do that? How do you keep yourself focused in it? Do you, do you have coaches yourself or mentors that you've worked with? Um, currently I don't, I don't really have like a specific coach or somebody that I, that I, Hey, I have a lot of people that I, that maybe it's, maybe it's a, like a, a level of awareness that I, I don't even realize where I'm at, that I consult with people um, that are, that are of levels, you know, like yourself and some other friends that we just, we just have conversations, um, you know, but, you know, for me, it's kind of like a funny story, you know, the way I, the way I look at this, uh, when I think it was in my twenties um, and I went to a house party. And I, I walk in the door and there's like, I don't know, six, seven guys all on the couch fighting, hitting each other. And I walk in and I look at my, one of my buddies is standing there and I go, man, what's going, what's going on here? He's like, help us. And I'm like, who do I, he's like, what do I do? He's like, I don't know, just hit somebody. <laughs> so it's like, just, just pick one and hit it. Um, you know, pick, pick one thing in your life and go in on it. And it's, it's again, you know, God honors the action. He honors commitment. And so when you take a step, then the next step will be seen. And so for me, it's, I kind of, you know, I do some meditation or I'll, I'll just, it's not necessarily 
you know, sitting here next to my salt lamp or whatever. It's sometimes just driving down the road with the radio off. But I say, you know, what's, what's the pattern in my life? Um, what, what is causing me pain right now? Um, you know, what needs fixed now? What can I focus on now? Um, what, what doesn't need my attention? And so just going through it and then it's, I mean, it's kind of funny, like just going through like, okay, so like, like the cog, like the, uh, the codependency. So I, I just go to, I go to Amazon and type it in, or I go to YouTube and type it in. And I listen to some things that because I have equipped myself with some wisdom from, you know, the Bible and from all these different books and around, I have a foundation of my understanding and I can, I can listen to stuff or read or, or watch and like, okay, this, from my understanding, my knowing, this sounds like it's on a correct path. And so then I might listen to that or I might read that or I might watch that. And then the next step will be shown to me, whether it's through, you know, intuition, connection to God and prayer or whatever. Um, you know, so I, I just, and again, like reaching out to people for my, my first decision, my meeting at the cross, uh, my accepting of, of Christ in my life. First thing I did was I called somebody that had results, not, not somebody that was popular or just was, you know, had all the friends in the world or whatever. Do they have the results before I follow them, before I, you know, buy their stuff, whatever, do they have results? Yeah, that's a brilliant measure. Absolutely. That's, that's beautiful. It, the fact is that without guidance, I, I did a lot of the same that you did. Even when I was sick with cancer, I was just so fortunate to somehow be guided to the right book at every turn that it was just somebody handed to me, or it's just right there on the shelf, or it, it ends up landing in my plate. Uh, I saved my life that way with, a, with Carol and Mrs. Book, you know, just like, oh, her mm -hmm. next book, because I'd got following her by then and it was exactly what I needed and I didn't even know the subject of it. I was like I need that book <laughs> <laughs> well this you know. the coffee shop I was at um when when I was supposed to be on this interview I, <laughs> I was there I think it was three years ago so for coffee I, I, is forgiven <laughs> <laughs> so like my internal dialogue was I felt like I was on my 40-year walk my journey in the desert mm. And I kept, I just, this pattern kept going over and over in my head. I feel like I'm, I'm leaving the desert. I feel like I'm in the desert. And I go to the bookstore and on the bookshelf, I see a book leaving the desert. As I go, okay, can't get much clearer than that. <laughs> and it was a book around um, A Course in Miracles, uh, you know, a kind of a different view on, on the biblical teaching and, and stuff. And I had been you know, learning and studying some of that stuff anyhow. So when I saw this book, I was like, bingo, I'm on the right path. Nice. Purpose is so much breadcrumbs. Like, yeah. You, just, you, you hear wisdom and then you follow it. You, have, you must follow it because you can, get, you can hear all, it's coming all the time. But if you don't follow and you don't take action on what you discover there, then it uh, puts an end to the synchronicity. Yeah, totally. It's, it's just so funny. It's like, as you become more aware of yourself and, and others around you and life situations, like it's like the signals at times just get so much smaller, you know, but you're just more in tune 
with them. So you, you catch them, but it's just, it's just funny how, as you're going through, I know I had a, a really good conversation with uh, my pastor one time and I asked him about you know, some really good mentors. They always taught in questions, you know, and, he, and Jesus always, you know, not always, but he taught a lot in parable fashion. And the way he explained it was in biblical times, you know, that's how they did it. In, in adolescent and school years and so on, you, you learn kind of traditional way, but you know, like when, when Jesus would have been learning from a rabbi or something, they said that, you know, the rabbis, when you ask them a question, they answered your question with the question. And so that helped you develop the thinking to be able to answer your own questions, answer the questions better. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you don't have to just keep asking the question. You, you get the whole process. Yeah. You, you create a more valuable person because they have the ability to do the thinking through mm-hmm. instead of just giving them the answer. And that's a legacy. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not just making yourself important and mm-hmm. inserting in people's lives. That's, that's amazing. I love that. Um, so what makes it worth it for you to go through all the challenges that you face, whether that's internal struggles or external, you know, things, whether in your business or whatever, what, what makes it worth it for you on the other side? When I see my children unconsciously do the things that they see me doing, Mm. when I see them in relational, um, whatever, whatever it is, whether it's friends or money or just life when I see my kids do what I intended on teaching them through my actions without even thinking about it I know I'm doing the right things Mm, that's lovely so good yeah there's such huge satisfaction in that I'm often seeing my kid do it's like you're just like your mama it's usually his rebel side then I say that (laughs) Uh (laughs) right um so the last archetype on on the, the journey as as I outline it and I take full I've taken full license with it after the king because it, the king can seem like the pinnacle of the experience but it's not the end it's and th- and that's a, a trap for the king to feel like you know power and domination and success and wealth and all of that kind of thing is an end game but it's not and and as a result they need to answer the call of the alchemist, the way that God calls through the alchemist Mm -hmm. and calling them to deeper healing, which we've already talked about to go in and repair whatever, you know, brokenness is there, whatever splits or fractures have, have come up through pain and trauma. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a time to reclaim wholeness, to marry the opposites and very much to be a force for bringing humanity back to a natural state that it would be in, in, in God's garden or however um, the audience maybe conceives of it out there. What, how do you, are there ways that the alchemist is already showing up in your life? I mean, we just talked about one of them, the breadcrumbs, right? When you, the synchronicities and those subtle messages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always. You, I mean, it's just kind of like, it's just being aware and paying attention. So it's kind of like what we, what we talked about with um, the acupuncture the other day. You know, I had this internal dialogue, this prayer, and then having the patience to wait and say, oh, that's how that was answered, you know, right here. Um, and so it's, 
it's kind of, I don't know, everything's already here. Everything's already created. And just having the gratitude and, and the appreciation for it all. Um, so it's, you know, like the, like the marriage that would look at, you know, somebody might look at that it, it didn't work or it failed. Well, it worked exactly like its purpose was designed. You know, both of us had the option to grow together. Um, you know, I learned things. She still has the opportunity to learn things, um, you know, to grow with my children. There's, there's times when, you know, they, they just got the opportunities to, you know, take a choice or, you know, they'll lead them down one path or the other. So I, I don't, I don't know. It's just funny how looking at you know, from, from the alchemist standpoint, you know, the, the kind of like the general observation is that it's uh, it pertains to metals and so on. But, you know, when you think about it as a spiritual concept, then man, it just takes on a whole new, a whole new realm of joining things together and, and seeing how, you know, how they all work. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, you, you see interconnectivity rather than the, as if everything is individual in its own little box. That's a big, big part of that alchemist journey and the, and the vision, right. That, that you, you carry the, the big picture, the ultimate picture with you. Yeah. It's something that, you know, it was, um, of all things, it was, it was during, a like an argument one time or a discussion, I, I can't remember what book I, I'd been going through and reading, but you know, it, it really, you know, the kind of picture I thought about was like, if you, if you play a video game like the Sims or, you know, nowadays Fortnite or something. And if you're, if your avatar is standing there without your inputs, most of the time the avatars will sit there and kind of just like wiggle around or move. And so when I'm thinking about like this whole the genesis of spiritual beings, we're in this fleshly body having this experience. That means I'm, I'm not my body. I'm not this meat wagon. I'm this spiritual being using this body for this experience. And I'm sitting there. And so like one of the magic spots that I've, I've kind of noticed is when we can go between observation and participation, when we can hold space and, you know, as, as a man, you know, a lot of times we get, we get this idea that we, we have to swell up and puff up and, and put our foot down in a situation when in biblical, you know, in biblical times, it, you know, said the meek shall inherit the earth. And so as men and as a society, we get, we get meek confused with weak when actually meek is the ability to endure hardships or wrongdoings. And so like in, in that time, like meek men were strong men. They were trained to kill. They were fighters. And some of the most dangerous men that I know, men that are, you know, veterans of war, um, you know, highly trained Navy SEALs and so on can kill you from a mile away and you never, and they can kill you from two inches away. But they are some of the most soft spoken men because they know they're a warrior with a purpose. And so when you can understand that, that you can, you can observe your partner, you can observe another person and realize they're not acting from love, they're acting from fear or ego, then that's not something that needs my immediate attention. It needs my presence to help them say, 
I hear you, you know, I try to, to do my best to validate, you know, their feelings and so on up to a degree, but switching between observing the situation and knowing when I need to participate and hold that person or love on that person, you know, to try and, and help them transition from where they're at to where they, they can be or where they want to be. Uh, so that, that's like one of the, the I guess, kind of alchemist things that really sticks out in me is, I mean, really just, just feeling that, that presence between observation and participation. Mm, that's so intuitive of you. That's amazing. And even that you, that you bring up the warrior, because it's exactly the point that I make, is that the warrior is all about muscle. And it's just, you know, it's, it's not that like what you're talking about right now, that's sitting back and let's observe, is there any action actually required? Although that is part of the discipline of the warrior to, um, you know, the rebels all the fighter and then the warrior is the one who knows how not to fight, mm -hmm. how not to go to war, how, how to, how to like not be there when the assassin comes, just simply not be in the picture. And then yeah. the alchemist, the alchemist is the next level of subtlety where just your very presence can be the transformation that's required. And, and it's also that by doing the inner work, you can change the outer world. That's, that's where you conserve a lot of energy. You don't waste your time. You don't waste your, your precious action ability. You can do the work here. And there's like a hundred things that I manage. I just manage it here. And, and if God tells me do something, I, I do it. But a lot of times it's just like, oh, I handled it here. I actually perceive no problem anymore. I perceive no problem. And, and then the world magically shows up like no problem, whatever it was, that, that person in the relationship or that, you know, situation. All the way. Like, so here's something, here's a golden nugget that uh, men specifically, this is worth millions of dollars. This is free. <laughs> Listen up. <laughs> so if you're having a conversation, you know, my, like from, from the male perspective, we come home sometimes or, you know, husband and wife come home and it, it, there's the conversation, the decompression when you get home. Men, ask your wife, do you want my help with this or would you like to just talk about this? Because <laughs> they're not, most of the time, our women our wives, partners are not looking for an answer. They just want an ear. They want to know you're listening. Yep. Yeah. And that's a relatively easy job, especially if you're not trying to fix it for them when they don't want that. So, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's great. So tell us, Frank, how can people reach you? Let us know about, especially about your coffee. I'm very curious to see if you have decaf, get shit done. <laughs> 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 I'm a strictly decaf. But how do people reach you? What would you like them to know about if they come and uh, take you up on anything that you offer, your coaching, please share. Um, anywhere on social media at armoredupman or armoredupman.com. Um, that's our, our site for that. The coffee, uh, I see it's www.gsd.coffee. We'll take you there or just Frank Sell on, on social media. Um, I don't have a... I don't currently have a, a structured coaching, um, but that's something that's in the works. It comes with a book and everything else and putting that all together. I just, I know that's my, my calling, my purpose. Um, that's something we, we wrote down in, in, at a church program the other day is to 
you know, for me, it's to use the situations and obstacles in life that I've used God's wisdom and love to overcome and to take that and help other men learn the same thing. Yeah, that's brilliant because until everybody's, you know, happy and whole, nobody is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, to me, that's God's design. That uh, we—we—it's not enough to get your own. You have—you have to go and help others to keep whatever you've got. Oh, hundred percent. Right on. Well, it's been a, an absolutely huge pleasure to host you for this. Thank you also to the audience for joining us. If you yourself would like to find out where you are on the path of purpose, you can visit my website bethmartins.com and do a King Hero Archetype quiz. In ten minutes, you discover what your position is. I have to assume if you're interested in this and you've stayed with us for the end of this interview, that you are all of these archetypes, but it's strategic to know where you are in the journey because you'll see exactly where you're losing your energy, where you're maybe not claiming your gifts and what your work up ahead of you is. I have a program, The King Hero's Journey can be done as a coaching program, one-on-one or also as an online program. And for the women out there who are very loyal, I worked with nothing but women for 15 years and I love and adore them. Those merpreneurs, I'll have to uh, have a talk with you about the mermaids some other time, Frank, but uh, there's an assessment there for you as well, a program. And there is a group coaching program coming up that's the, the guys and the girls getting together on all of this because it is the identical journey. It is the hero's journey. And yet men and women go through it so differently. It's beautiful for them to see each other and to witness and and hold space for their challenges and their wins as well. Finally, I'd love to let you know that my book is officially published. (laughs) It's a miracle. (laughs) And you can get it either at my website, bethmartins.com, which is a better uh, option for you right now. There's a special bonus that comes along with it, an archetype study group to build community around the, the hero's journey and all the risks and scary things that people are trying to do, which is harder on your own. And uh, you could also, if you prefer to go to Amazon, you're most welcome to buy it there. The, the name is Journey, a map of archetypes to find lost purpose in a sea of meaninglessness. So cheers to you, Frank. This has been really beautiful. It's like, um, honestly, I knew it was gonna be fun, but this was, this was over the top. Man, it's totally my pleasure and I'm just, beyond honored to even have considered, you know, value to be asked to be on this interview. So I, I totally appreciate it. And thank you. Oh man, it was a perfect fit. Yeah. That you're most, most welcome. Thanks everyone. I look forward to seeing you in the next King Heroes Journey podcast. Please do like and share with your friends and those King Heroes in the making or those King Heroes that may have gotten stuck in their life in some way and need a handout. I definitely uh, encourage you to look Frank up. Bye for now. It takes a lot of love to be everything. It takes a lot of love.